Chapter Thirty Nine of Nature and Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Nature and Art by Elizabeth Ichabald. Chapter Thirty Nine the contrast of the state of happiness between the two brothers was nearly resembled by that of the two cousins the riches of young william did not render him happy nor did the poverty of young henry doom him to misery his affectionate heart as he had described in his letter to rebecca loved persons rather than things and he would not have exchanged the society of his father nor the prospect of her hand and heart for all the wealth and splendor of which his cousin william was the master he was right young william thought he viewed with contempt henry's inferior state was far less happy than he his marriage had been the very counterpart of his father's and having no child to create affection to his home his study was the only relief from that domestic encumbrance called his wife and though by unremitting application there joined to the influence of the potent relations of the woman he hated he at length arrived at the summit of his ambitious desires still they poorly repaid him for the sacrifice he had made in early life of every tender disposition striding through a list of rapid advancements in the profession of the law at the age of thirty-eight he found himself raised to a preferment such as rarely falls to the share of a man of his short experience he found himself invested with a judge's robe and gratified by the exalted office curbed more than ever that aversion which her want of charms or sympathy had produced against the partner of his honours while william had thus been daily rising in fortune's favour poor agnes had been daily sinking deeper and deeper under fortune's frowns till at last she became a midnight wanderer through the streets of london soliciting or rudely demanding money of the passing stranger sometimes haunted by the watch she affrighted fled from street to street from portico to portico and once knowing in her fear which way she hurried she found her trembling knees had sunk and her wearied head was reclined against the stately pillars that guarded william's door at the sudden recollection where she was a swell of passion composed of horror of anger of despair and love gave reanimated strength to her failing limbs and regardless of her pursuer's steps she ran to the centre of the street and looking up to the windows of the mansion cried ah there he sleeps in quiet in peace in ease he does not even dream of me he does not care how the cold pierces or how the people persecute me he does not thank me 
for all the lavish love i have borne him and his child his heart is so hard he does not even recollect that it was he who brought me to ruin had these miseries common to the unhappy prostitute had been alone the punishment of agnes had her crimes and sufferings ended in distress like this her story had not perhaps been selected for a public recital for it had been no other than the customary history of thousands of her sex but agnes had a destiny yet more fatal unhappy she was endowed with a mind so sensibly alive to every joy and every sorrow to every mark of kindness every token of severity so liable to excess in passion that once perverted there was no degree of error from which it would revolt taught by the conversation of the dissolute poor with whom she now associated or by her own observation on the worldly reward of elevated villainy she began to suspect that dishonesty was only held a sin to secure the property of the rich and that to take from those who did not want by the art of stealing was less guilt than to take from those who did want by the power of the law by false yet seducing opinions such as these her reason estranged from every moral and religious tie her necessities urgent she reluctantly accepted the proposal to mix with a band of practised sharpers and robbers and became an accomplice in negotiating bills forged on a country banker but though ingenious in arguments to excuse the deed before its commission in the act she had ever the dread of some inconvertible statement on the other side of the question intimidated by this apprehension she was the veriest bungler in her vile profession and on the alarm of being detected while every one of her confederates escaped and absconded she alone was seized was arrested for issuing notes they had fabricated and committed to the provincial jail about fifty miles from london where the crime had been perpetrated to take her trial for life or death end of chapter thirty nine recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c